Coming up on Mountain Hermeneutics, we're going to be talking old school patriarchs, one patriarch in particular. So before the flood, there was a host of characters that were mentioned all the time. You had Adam and Eve and Noah, Cain and Abel. But what about uh, Noah's grandparents? Methuselah, we all know him because he lived like almost a thousand years, oldest man on record. And Enoch, Methuselah's pops, Enoch. Did you know he had a book? Is that book significant? Was it canon? Is it scripture? The Ethiopians seem to think so. The rest of the mainstream Jews and Christians, not so much. So we're going to break it down and talk about it. So keep it right here. You're listening to Mount Hermeneutics, where three Marines give their perspective on God, faith, and spirituality with a heavy lean on the divine council worldview. This is not your grandma's Sunday school, nor is it always for the Christian vein of heart. Nothing about who we are or what we say make us experts, but you better believe we'll have a take and perhaps it won't suck. Though there is some very interesting video out there of me being duct taped, zip tied with a pillowcase over my head, trapped inside of a dog kennel, and I had to escape. Fellas, what Ray. is up? Hey, hey. So, uh, the first thing I want to do is I'm going to thank everybody because, hey, we're at 100 subscribers. You've hit 100. This Woo-hoo! modest little Jesus podcast is, uh, is at 100 subscribers. So with that, if you like what you see, go ahead and hit the subscribe button and the like button. Share the show with your friends. And with that, I am uh, I am Andre. And you can get at me on Instagram. And um, let's see, the week that was what, what New Year's happened. That was a that was a big thing over the over yeah. the week. Um, it did. It's a small I, thing. I was uh, not the I was not even the biggest thing as we're going to talk about. I um, uh, I went to bed by ten thirty. It was just it was just me and the missus and the granddaughter and and that's it. I think we well, watched it was like twelve thirty central. Yeah. Well, yeah. We waited. We waited until until you guys you know hit it, and go. I was like, that's hey. It's happy new year, baby. Good, good night. I'm out. No more. Reacher's over. We caught up. So that's that's yeah. that's where we are. I did buy some seafood that we got, you know, we got some uh lobster and some crab and and whatnot. We had a little little feast on my couch with with the grandbaby and watched some watch some shows. Brian, what's up, man? Uh same old, same old, man. I uh you know, I I just on the fly while you're talking, I I brought up that. Uh, I wanted to get my facts straight on that article we're going to talk about, and so uh, I'm sorry, I'm distracted. I'm not. I'm not very. I'm not very professional. Do you, um, how, how do we get a hold of you, Brian? Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, I suck at this. Sorry. Uh, yeah. TheThirdHelix.com is my blog. Um, I had a boring week. I was under the weather. It was lame. I turned. Uh, I, I turned another year older. You and you and the planet, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's all I got. What do you do? What's going on with you, Matt? I, same as far as being under the weather. I woke up New Year's Day with allergies have been killing me, so I don't know if I still sound 
congested, but I'm, I'm dying with sinus pressure. Uh, we, we, we did go out for dinner. Um, our friends, uh, Andrew and Jessica, we went to the, the vast, which is up on top of, uh, the tallest building down in downtown Oklahoma city had a dinner. It was, it was nice. It was long, man. They were, they were, it was funny because they were making this big deal about, you could only be there for two hours. They wanted to keep tables moving. We were there for four hours and 15 minutes. Longest dinner I've ever had. Hmm. Um, it, and it was it many courses or it was a tasting menu. So yeah, four okay. course deal. I mean, it was nice. It's a good restaurant. Was um, it because the service was bad and they took that long? I don't know. They, they weren't that crowded, but it doesn't matter, but it, it was nice. It, we, we were supposed to be out of there by like 10 something. We were there when midnight happened. So, you know, we could see fireworks off in the distance and stuff. So that was kind of cool. Um, cool. Yeah. Other than that, I went and had an MRI done on my arm, um, find out about my surgery. I just, I just did that, got back two hours ago from my MRI. Mm. So we'll see how, how that is. Um, other than that, not a lot going on. But Brian, you mentioned uh, an article. Uh, something happened down in Florida. What was it? Yeah, uh, apparently. Well, I found this out today, just mere hours ago, fortuitously, because like we we were planning to talk about the Book of Enoch anyway. Um, but fortuitously, it was pointed out to me by someone that Nephilim is uh, was trending on Twitter. This what they're calling X. What the owner calls X now, but we all mm -hmm. still know as, as Twitter. Uh, yeah, Nephilim was trending. So I followed that. And apparently, and there's a Newsweek article that uh, we'll post in the description, promise. Um, just as one credible news source for this. Um, New Year's Eve uh, at the uh, a mall in Miami. I think it was uh, Biscayne... Uh, Bayside Marketplace in downtown Miami. Um, there was uh, a disturbance that uh, had hundreds of police converging on the scene, um, depending on who you listen to. It's kind of hard to separate all like the actual like facts that are being reported in quote unquote credible news sources and just all the stuff that people are saying about it. But the, the facts that I can confirm are hundreds of police converged on this mall in downtown Miami on Monday um, because of uh, juveniles were were causing a fight. Apparently, 50 some odd juveniles were were rampaging through the mall. And so hundreds of cops showed up. Um, they arrested four hundreds of cops, only four arrests out of 50. But something happened. And there's skepticism on on the interwebs about whether that's really what's what happened. There's apparently a viral video of a uh, of uh, eight to a couple of eight to ten foot tall uh, entities who are roaming around that some have have said are Nephilim. That's why Nephilim was was trending. And uh, apparently there were they shut down flights in and in and out of uh, Miami Airport. Because there were black helicopters that were surveying the area. That's that's the, those are the that's the stuff you're hearing on Twitter. I don't know if anybody credible has confirmed the stuff about the flights being canceled. I just found this stuff out like a few hours ago, so I haven't had time to thoroughly research. And I have a day job. So, that's uh, crazy. So the, so 
I guess there's a lot to unpack there. The first question is, was it just like, I don't know, Kevin Love and Jimmy Butler running around at the mall? Like to the average person, well, I mean, the Miami Heat would look like eight foot tall Nephilim, right? Maybe. Uh, but then <laughs> they, they're probably used to seeing the Miami Heat roaming around. Um, right. Well, not, not looking like Jimmy Butler does right now, but that's a different story. <laughs> I think they were in L.A., though. Oh, were they? Oh, well, played. that rules that out. They're they, definitely well, nephil. I think they, they definitely I think they, nephilim, like Wednesday they played <laughs> they played uh, Los Angeles Lakers, blew them out too. Damn so, it. the 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 descriptions that are going around are that they were like ten feet, eight to ten feet tall, and had like they were gray zombie looking creatures. Um, people were freaked out. Um, the news reports that there were juveniles fighting with sticks, um, which juveniles fighting with sticks doesn't explain. Like you can see, that's a like, big leap from kids with sticks to ten foot tall zombies, gray things. <laughs> right, that's a, the grays. That's, that's a pretty big uh, d- d- gap. Supposedly, there's a viral video going around that that pictures them. I the only things I've seen show like a little it's not really it's not really anything you can look at and say yeah i did i did a couple of searches and it's like they're circling like a gray unviewable blur inside of a picture it's like big are they just uh larpers they're in some kind of costume a bunch of furries running around with sticks beating each other like well but i'm I'm serious like the pictures i'm seeing look like bigfoot photos like it's like it's like the blurriest at the point they're circling, like right there. It's like I think I think aliens and Bigfoot have like Faraday cages around them, so you can't you can't actually get electronic they, images. They wear that ever. scarf that uh, um, yeah, yeah. Paris Hilton wears <laughs> to, and, to ward and, off the paparazzi. And, and Bigfoots actually are blurry in real life. <laughs> that's just what they look that's, like. That's, that's the problem. Yeah, that's um, mom. Big... Why is that man so blurry? I hear Bigfoot is Nephilim though. That's one of the. No, that's a hot take. I've never heard that. You never heard that? No. Oh, well. He's like one of the last ones or something. There's more than one Bigfoot. So that's why you see them, you know, in Northern California and Colorado and, you know, the the Pacific Northwest, right? Northern California and South Alabama. Oklahoma's a big, we're we're a big uh, Bigfoot hotspot. Yeah. And uh, in in Canada. Canada. Shout out, Joe. That's right. So, but yeah. Yeah, the but the fact like the 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 thing that's fueling this is that the the official story does not explain not even close to good enough. It's not like there was a couple of big guys that were homeless that happened to be former basketball players or anything that could even. <laughs> well, they're right. saying it was it was juveniles who were like rampaging through the mall. What 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 what's a what is a fact is that there were hundreds of police who converged on the mall hundreds um, of that's a that's overkill even i mean yeah. florida you know they're not they're not putting up with the stuff that we do over here on, on my coast but uh they wow. say i mean and i could maybe see that response if they're getting reports that 50 juveniles are rioting in the mall i, I can get that but they only made four arrests like how do you send hundreds of cops because they run fast you ever see kids when they hear the word cops? They just... <laughs> uh, the slow I mean, fat kid is the one that got, got arrested. So, so. 40, 46 
kids got away. They they only got those four. I don't, that's, I don't, I, I find that hard to believe, but I don't, does it mean that there were Nephilim running them up? Probably not. I, that doesn't seem like it'd be a good place for Nephilim to go to a shopping mall, but what do I know about I, Nephilim? Just, Miami. Of all Nephilim, places. Need, Nephilim need shoes too. They need a big and tall store. <laughs> I, I don't guess. have a lot of big and tall stores. I, I used to live in Miami. <laughs> There's only just the one big and tall store and it's in the Miami mall. And you know, so. according to the book of Enoch, Nephilim, they like to eat blood, <laughs> right? So they like to grab people and bite their face off. So they, you know, they need, they need a populated, you know, densely rich place to eat people. Like Miami. Like Miami, right? Yeah. Are, they, are they Nephilim or are they vampires? Like, we, they get, like it sounds like Blade. Well, they got, they got like big butts and whatnot in Miami. So you know, they'd be like, ooh, rump roast, boom, bite it, eat it. <laughs> so it's the book of Enoch. Uh, it's, right. I, I, right. It's, so, it's not my words. Yeah, right. These so, not my so, words. So let, let's let's segue over to that book of Enoch. Like, so who 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 is Enoch? Um, he, he is he's the seventh from Adam in the book right. of Genesis. Uh, the great grandfather of Noah. And it, Meth- I, I find it Meth- interesting. Methuselah's. Grandfather, or Methuselah's father? Methuselah's pops, Methuselah's father, father right. who had, who is the father of Lamech, who is the father of Noah. Not to be confused with the Lamech that we talked about weeks back, who was a descendant of Cain, who perhaps I theorize—I don't know if you guys agreed with me or not—is maybe the first woman to get hit up by these. By oh, these we we did talk about that, right? The first, the first watchers, yeah. or the first of the women. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. You know, and and basically that was. You know, my my theory came from all the stuff they learned from from the from the from the watchers, which was which is comes from the book of Enoch. But so uh, right, so so we've talked about Enoch. So Enoch, let's talk about what we know about Enoch before we get into the book, right? So the guy, he's he's mentioned in the Bible like three times, and in, in what we consider to be the the canonical Bible, right? The Holy yeah. Bible. We he's should just read that, it. It's pretty brief. It's is it, but it's it's, it's more than once though, right? He's got well, a couple of entries. It, like he uh, had his kids, and then he only li- lived interestingly three hundred and sixty-five days. I don't know if there's any symbol to that. And uh, uh, he was a dude that was said e- not to e- die. E- he was e- Enoch only lived three hundred sixty-five days. Correct. Days? You mean years? Yeah. Sorry, years. I was like years. Yeah, three sixty-five days, and he had a bunch of kids <laughs> and everything. Like, <laughs> you want to just read it? I got it up. Sure. Sure. Okay. So when Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. After he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived in hundred years and had other sons and daughters. Uh, blah, blah, blah. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him. And then it goes into Methuselah, Lamech, and, and Noah. So that is everything else in the Bible. You, you missed about- one. You missed one. You missed Genesis 4.18. I skipped it because it was just talking about what uh, what Jared did. Wait, did I? No, so Genesis 4.18, to Enoch was born Irad, and Irad was the father of Mehujal, and Mehujal was the father of Methuselah, or Methuselah. No, you're, you're thinking of, Meth- uh, you're thinking of Enosh. So they're spelling it the same in this translation then. Yeah, Enosh is not, is a different guy than Enoch. Cain's, Cain's son. Oh yeah, different guy, different guy. Yeah, okay. 
So Enoch, the one, the Enoch that we're talking, well, I need to see. Well, then there's Hebrews. Well, yeah, I was going to say the only other mention of Enoch is just referencing this. Right. So it's like, this is, it's, it's basically, this is, this is what we know about Enoch and everything else is just talking about that. Right. Well, I think this one's important though, the Hebrews 11. So it says by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. Yeah, then, that's yeah, that's good. He, he, it's a pretty he, big deal. He could not be found because God had taken him away. Yeah. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. I think that's an important verse because it kind of it there's and there's one other verse somewhere that I read, and it basically says it like rattles off those who pleased God, and it was like. Enoch, Moses, it, it only lists like four or five. It's like the, 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 the Mount Rushmore. Of, yeah. The Mount Rushmore <laughs> of, of prophets for God or something like that. Right. I Enoch's that, one of them. That's, that's from Hebrews. That's, I think that, I think that's what you just quoted, wasn't it? Well, there is another verse somewhere. This, this must just be the translation that this searched upon, but uh, there, there's Jude, a verse where Jude quotes the book of Enoch. Yeah. Uh, Jude quotes the book of Enoch. Um, Right, but it, it's, he doesn't mention Enoch in his quote. Well, he it was also about these that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied oh, saying, I stand corrected. coming with ten thousands of his holy ones. So yeah. I was mistaken about that being the only reference to Enoch, but we don't really get much more information no, about that, it. That's all Bible. we get. That's that's it. it. But like it's super significant that it's his great grandson that is chosen to carry on the seed and, and, and told to, to build the ark and probably, whatnot. and I, I read somewhere that Methuselah means that he's, he's so dang old that he was the last guy to die that actually knew Adam. Hmm. Interesting. Right. Like, so, so like the, the people that walked with angels and with God, you know, Adam, Seth, Enoch, who you know explicitly said he walked with God, you know they they could pass down the stories and and whatever oral traditions to that that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I I read somewhere that uh, Methuselah's name translates to like the bringer of death or something of that of that nature. Um, so when you when you do the math when you go back he or go go forward toward Noah. He died the same year the flood happened. It was like he was the triggering event or the, the triggering moment in prophecy that said, hey, you know, when Methuselah dies, the waters start coming. And, you know, it's interesting. He outlived his son, Lamech, who died five years before that. So Noah got to hang out with, you know, his his pops and his, his grandfather while he's building this ark, doing the righteous thing. I, yeah. I, I found that just just kind of interesting. But what jumped out at me is that those people had lots of kids. Right. So were they all just pieces of shit? So they all died in the flood and only only the, you know, the line that goes straight through, you know, Methuselah to Noah and, and Lemech and everybody else sucked. Like, I don't. Well, everybody sucked. You know, if you read it just loosely. Right. Even Moses was going to get God. Right. He convinced <laughs> God. Hey. Come on, like we can make this work. <laughs> you and me together, big guy. We can figure this out, right? I mean, I'm obviously taking some liberties with the text, but that's essentially sure. what it says, right? That God said, I'm gonna kill all of man. 
And Moses is like, whoa, 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 all men? Well, not all of all of man. He was gonna he was gonna wipe out the Israelites and use and make a new nation out of Moses. Bef after he decided to keep Moses. My point is, is the text says that he was gonna kill everybody because he, he repented, he repented making man. And then again, he, I think you're confusing with Noah. Oh, yeah. Noah. Yeah, I'm sorry. What would you say? Yeah, Moses. You, oh, you yeah. I'm talking, about Noah. We're talking Noah. I'm talking about Noah. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he. it's the, the text that Genesis itself just says that he. Mankind, he was grieved because mankind's thoughts were only evil all the time. Mm -hmm. But then Noah was the exception. It, does, right. it doesn't really say anything about. Everybody else, um, Methuselah and Lamech and all the other I love, guys. Uh, Dan Arlovsky's version in that in that movie with Russell Crowe, and and Methuselah's this you know Anthony Hopkins, some old hermit dude that like kills yeah. with angels. I hang out with the Watchers. I know we're about to die, so it's cool. Build your ark. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've been. I've already. I've already advocated that. for these dudes. It's not you know whatever. He's like the weird like Ben Kenobi dude version. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. That like that's actually not even trying to like tell the biblical story. That's that's an explicitly Gnostic version of right, right. of the flood story. I I've been meaning to I, I watched that when it was somewhat new before I discovered Michael Hazer and the Book of Enoch and all the stuff that we talk about. You should watch it again then. Yeah, I've been meaning to rewatch yeah. it. I actually bought it. I was mad about it when I watched it because it was so. So I, I remember you having that take and I remember not having the same take. And the difference was you got high, you got to Heiser before me, but I was, I was focused on the watcher component of Genesis before that. Right. Like yeah. Dre and I talked about this back in, you know, at NSA days. Um, and so that's always been in the back of my mind. So when I watched that version of Noah, I liked it. I recognized some of the Tubal Cain stuff was a little, off and that stuff didn't happen quite like that but the fact that he made such an overt deal about the watchers i thought it was cool and everybody else that i knew was like none of that happened and i'm like what do you mean it didn't happen but, but, but it kind of did <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i mean we don't know if they look like rocks and asteroids and the right, way those right. things look that was all fantastical for hollywood but i mean some things from up there came down here and we're doing things and stuff. And mm. yeah, I need, that... I need to rewatch it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I feel like I want to argue with you, but I, I haven't, I, 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 haven't I get the it. Movie in long enough. To... I, 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 I get it. Like I said, but th that was the only part that I saw, thought was neat was the, the angelic component, which they, 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 the imagery was off. It was odd. Um, but I mean, it kind of sort of happened like that. That part did anyway, right? It, it kind of seems that the uh, what's the the second temple period Jews they like were cool with spinoffs. They're like, hey, Genesis is really cool. They got this dude Enoch, and then these Watchers. We can make a whole series on the Watchers and Enoch, and like a, a spinoff like the Jeffersons or or whatever <laughs> other well, you know the should, facts of life. We should get into that because yeah, like right. uh, you guys are. You guys are speaking as if the Book of Enoch is reports history, and is that like is that? Well, that that that's why I kind of made a joke. Is that I'm not sure that it does, you know, recite history. Okay. I I I personally think after reviewing, I've read it a couple of times over the last ten years. Um, it 
it seems like it preserves a, a couple of oral traditions, whether that's inspired or, or uh, you know, truth or, or what have you. It seems like those are that was some common knowledge of that of that time, um, and it kind of gives a gives a little a little rundown and a history of of angels and it's uh kind of the early mentions of hell and a lot of things that that we don't really see in the Bible, but normal normies, like people, they think they know what, you know, angels and what their names are and, you know, the battle in heaven and all, all these things that we, we kind of take for granted of, of what we think we know about angels and heaven and hell that actually don't come from, from the Bible. Yeah. That and Enoch's mean. a big, a big part of that. Right. And so, we've had for for the listeners the three of us have had a substantial amount of conversation on this topic about Enoch specifically um and it's impossible to you know recount it all for this conversation but i have a couple of key thoughts on it one is it's odd to me that a person that we know existed Enoch and we know he was some level of let's just say close with god right? If he was important enough to be taken so that he didn't die, that's a pretty big deal. Cause that didn't happen to, you know, more than what, three other people. Um, whether that means he ascended or not, that's a whole different conversation, but not dying means something. And it, Who's it, the third one? Elijah. Well, he's the second one. Well, then Jesus. Jesus well, died. Well, then he, but then he ascended. Right. Um, so my, my point was the ascension, not the not dying. Sorry. That's a fair okay. point. That's a fair sure. point. Good, good catch. Yeah, yeah I um, interrupt you. I, I'm conflating not dying with ascending because I mean I, I did I don't, mean to interrupt you, but not I don't know what else derailed. you do with that though. Is my point. Like if you didn't die, unless he's still alive, which would be super weird. Um, well, well, according to according to the second book in Enoch, Enoch, he may be still alive. Right. Well, there there are there is the view, um, advanced by by people like William Lane Craig, who I greatly admire and and agree with on a lot of things that that genesis 1 through 11 is is uh sort of proto history um william lane craig uses the term not he's not unique in it but he's he scandalized a lot of christians by using the term mytho history which implies a, a blending of mythology with real things well, in mythology, in the academic sense, but 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 right, Laban hear mythology and they and they think fiction. Mm -hmm. um, that's not necessarily the case. It's more, you know, history that's not meant to be strictly factual, literally factually historical, but it's it's sort of it's meant to it, it's meant to convey archetypes. Um, in a historical narrative that are in some sense true but so like i mean that does raise the question of whether whether you know did did enoch actually exist as a as a historical person or is he or is it figurative or, or is he an archetype or um and i'm not saying i believe that i'm just i'm just saying that's that's an idea like i just i want to i want to acknowledge the people listening who might who might not take that literally um i don't think that you're i i think enoch, enoch existed i think that there are 
I think there are, there are I think there's more literal truth to the flood narrative than 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 I was ready to acknowledge a, a few years ago. Um, but I just I don't want it to make it, I don't want to make it sound like uh, you're you're not really a Christian if you don't take it literally or you know it's it's often people often think in terms of you know young earth creationists if you think the earth is only six thousand years old mm -hmm. and was created in six literal 24-hour days those people take genesis 1 through 11 as literal history and everybody else understands it to be figurative there's a lot of gray area in between that and right um I, that's i think that's a good point and that's i think that is where just that thing that you just said and once you accept that some parts of the bible are either allegorical or or um illusionary right that they're they're trying to explain a concept without giving you 1 plus 1 equals 2 it then makes it really challenging to understand what else is and isn't Right. Because yeah. because then you're sitting there scratching your head going, well, so if th this was real, that's not. Did Jonah really get swallowed by a fish? Does it matter? Right. Like because the story matters, not the, the reality of that. But then. Then the then that allows a person to then go, did Jesus really walk on water? Did he, did he really die? Did he fully die? Was he bodily resurrected? Like that's there's a, there's yeah. a, there's a logic slope there, right? That's 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 difficult to 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 traverse. Yeah, and I think I and I I since you bring that up, or I brought it up and you expanded upon it, I. I really want to, I really want to address that, but I just, I want to assure No, people, I, I, I think it's a cool conversation. Yeah. Like it, it's tough, but I, like, this is, this is kind of a, you know, just a, just a, a short trip, you know, a short tangent away from the book of Enoch, which we are going to get into. We are going to, we are going to talk about the actual content and significance and the the topic of inspiration. That's, that is going to come up, but 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 I do think it's it's vitally important that we address the issues you raise about that slippery slope of what's true and what's not. But I, I've Dre also seen that uh, there was some uh, like a lot of early Genesis is a polemic against the the belief at the time too. Like for example, you know there's there's a a history of kings that were thousands of years old. So basically, like. Really? Because the oldest dude only lived to be, you know, 969, Methuselah. So it was kind of an anti-that. Or, you know, we, you know, we, my, my God kind of killed all your divine kings, right? Through, through this, through this flood. Mm -hmm. um, or, um, I kind of lost where I was, where I was going with that. But, you know, basically just a lot of, a lot of things were just said in ways to counteract uh, a lot of the literature and beliefs uh, in in God at at that time, right? In the in the in the, in the Near East, ancient like, Near East, like the creation account in in particular is is in other creation in other like pagan creation myths, you have the stories of the, you know the gods, you know the, the sky, Uranus, the sky god, and Gaia, the earth goddess, having sex and producing children and who are the you know the, the planets and the the moon and 
and, and other cosmic forces and they couple and and make other other gods and goddesses that represent primordial forces or, or you had in, in an intermediate stage of most pagan religions you have the storm god getting promoted to the to the status of creator god by doing epic battle with the chaos dragon and slaying it and then fashioning the earth from its carcass and as opposed to the book of genesis where god is sovereign and and nothing can resist his will he merely speaks the universe into existence um the fact that we we live in a post enlightenment uh science scientific age where we understand nature to be a unified cohesive whole that operates according to predict to predictable observable patterns that is a direct result of that of that of the the book of genesis teaching that the universe was created at god's command it's not a it's not a teeming pantheon of individual autonomous forces so in that sense i just to add to your remark about it being a polemic against these pagan ideas but to matt's point about the uh the slippery slope i just want to do kind of a drive-by quick information dump to address that because it, it does it's worth addressing um before we get to the book of enoch but um as we've discussed before i think the, the resurrection it that's a historical fact um it's not a universally acknowledged historical fact. It has to be argued for, but the evidence is is there that that Jesus was a historical person and was crucified under Pontius Pilate. Um, that's that's as one of that's one of the most secure historical facts of of all of human history. Um, most historians would agree that's not even on the table for debate. Um, that the that the original disciples claimed to have collectively empirically and repeatedly encountered him alive again after his public execution and burial. That's also a fact. And if we unpackage that, if we logically reasoned it out, I think it, I think it leaves the resurrection pretty, pretty secure as, as a, as a, the anchor of our belief. And as Paul explained in first Corinthians 15, everything stands or falls on that. The resurrection didn't happen christianity is is futile um and, and it's a waste of time if it did happen that validates the overall biblical narrative like the bible is true if the resurrection happened in what sense it's true that's those are that's a different in what sense any given aspect of it is true that's another discussion um as far as the genesis 1 through 11 narrative um which tells the story of creation um the fall, the, the tower of Babel, the call of Abraham. Um, I used to think that the flood was just simply a myth. Maybe it was an exaggeration of a local flood, but it just wasn't, it just wasn't to be taken literally. Um, but then I learned about the younger Dryas extinction event, which, um, you know, that's, that's, you know, geologists agree that that happened meltwater pulses led to sudden dramatic uh rises in sea level about twelve thousand years ago uh humans tend to settle most densely along coasts and waterways sea levels rose it was as if the entire world flooded uh there there are ideas advanced by people like graham hancock um 
that there was more to it, that there was a, there was a comet that led to a global catastrophe that, uh, um, so in every, every culture on earth, every single ancient culture there is, cultures that had no contact with each other, they all have flood stories. They all, they all divide the history of the world between antediluvian and postdiluvian before the flood and after the flood. Um, something happened. If you don't, if you don't think something happened that everybody remembers as, as a worldwide flood might not have been a literal worldwide flood that covered mountaintops 20 feet, 20, 20 feet deep, but it was something that the ancient world remembered as that, well, that happened. Um, I think the burden is on anybody who thinks it didn't happen to offer the evidence for that. Cause all the evidence says it says something like that happened to, to decide that you can throw the Bible out because, because there wasn't a, a literal worldwide natural disaster that uh, covered mountains 20 feet deep in water. Um, and that's kind of a nitpick. Like there's, there's more there that should tell us it happened than there is evidence against it. And once, and when you accept, and, it, and when you accept that and also kind of make allowances for the fact that this is an ancient pre-scientific bronze age people, they, they believe the earth was flat. And they, that the like, and this wasn't just a Bible thing. This was the this was the culture of the ancient Near East. They believed that the sky was a solid dome that held back the cosmic waters. They had they didn't have the number zero. They had no concept of nothing. Um, they had we had to develop that over time by standing on their shoulders. And so that they're what they're describing in the Book of Genesis. It, it is according to an ancient pre scientific cosmology. And so you have to make certain certain allowances for that. But when, when you do and kind of sort of translate what they were saying, that they meant it, they meant it historically and literally, even though we understand that the earth isn't flat and things didn't happen exactly the way they described, they were describing something that they regarded to be literal and historical. Um, right. Right. So but so that that starts into a different conversation that I've actually been wanting to touch on for a minute. We, we've we've tapped on this conversation back when we were talking about uh, what the heck were we talking about? We were talking about I think it was the we got into third third episode of the Trinity and we started talking about Paul a little bit and what you just said gets to the infallible or inerrancy of the Bible. <laughs> We're going to do that. I mean, this, this is all <laughs> natural conversation pathing though. Right? I know. Like this wasn't th that because of what you said, I want to talk about this just for a second. Sure. Um, it actually came up in a couple of, in a Facebook group that I'm in. Uh, I'm in a, uh, it's an apologetics group. Um, I'm in a couple of them and I don't really get a lot of value out of most of them because it kind of is circular arguing but for the last couple of days Wizard the last couple of days have been around inerrancy and, and infallibility yeah. so they they posted a poll today that i saw it made me chuckle and I, I wouldn't be able to find it if i looked on my phone so i'm not even going to try to look but basically the poll the, po the poll maker made like four options right and they were like, is it one, everything in the Bible is infallible and inerrant because it's the word of God breathed, period. The second one was, 
the theology presented from the Bible is infallible and inerrant and everything else is just simply words written by men. And then there was like, I confuse the differences between infallible and inerrant and, you know, that was an I, option. Yeah. The guy was trying to be funny with his, with his choices. Oh, okay. Right. Gotcha. Um, but it was kind of an interesting that, that that second option was an option. Cause that's the one that I clicked. Right. Just from a conversational point of view. And, and it's because of things like what you just said that, you know, there, there were things that people thought back then that were wrong that they talked about. And one can't say everything in the Bible is correct if we know that some of their science and math and logic was bad at the time they wrote it, right? But that doesn't necessarily have to take away from the intent of the theology being presented for us to learn from. So put a pin in that for just a second, because I'm going to try to make more sense of what I said. Okay. I do have an answer to the poll question, but I'm sure, but I'll let you finish. I'm sure you do. I don't appreciate, know if that was going to be. A I, question, I appreciate but... that, Kanye. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna let you finish. Yeah, I'll let you finish. Um, Genius. I, there's there's a comment that 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 Dr. Heiser made, and I'm gonna paraphrase it because I'm sure he said it differently. But this is what I took from him when he said it: is that the Bible was was designed and created to be a theology textbook, not a science textbook, right? So like, stop trying to solve global warming and evolution and all these kinds of things with a book that had no intentions of speaking on those topics. Yeah. And if those things were mentioned, it was in passing, not in, not in, in substance. And I think that's relevant to what I said about inerrancy and infallibility is if you're talking about is the Bible always correct when it talks about God and God's intent and God's words and God's design? Yes. Right. Does that mean every single word as it was translated and structured into every sentence is 100% correct? I don't think that's true. That's, that's Matt's take. Right. And everybody listening just pulled their headphones off. Oh, blasphemer. Right. And they just threw their headphones right. down and they're like, why am I listening to this guy? Don't but, worry, everybody. You'll like what I have to say, but, but that's, 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 Something that's just a way that I, that I've wrapped my mind around all of the stuff that's in the Bible, right? Yeah. So, I'll, I'll Dre, did you have a thought on that before Brian corrects everything? Um, no, I, I, I think, I think we'll get into it a little bit later because it's, it's sort of my defense of of Enoch, and uh, also, you know, it, it's many, many uh, Bible scholars' defense of the New Testament quoting Enoch. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll, you know. It, it's something that was known at the time so we, they're using it you know to to make their audience understand paul quotes you know poets of of the time does right. he think that that pagan poet is it's inspired is writing with, no yeah. not at all but right. it, it but what he did say at that point in time made sense for what what paul was trying to teach so um you know it it, it just because the Bible is making a point doesn't mean that it has to be scientifically correct. I think uh, is where I is it's where like I land a, on it. I think a, I think a good analogy would be like if a modern preacher uses an analogy from Star Wars, it doesn't mean he thinks Star Wars is inspired. Right, exactly. It's, exactly. It's it's a it's a it's part of the cultural language. It's easy to to explain things and that's and that's actually a, a common it's not like football is theologically sound 
but you know you're going to use yeah <laughs> you know some, coach, of, some oh, coach has a great a great quip that's right. about accountability and your sermons on accountability and you're like well vince lombardi said you know it's like <laughs> right. you didn't just deify john vince wooden lombardi. Is, is, yeah. and there's you know i don't worship actually, john wooden there's a highfalutin academic term for this for what we're talking about as it appears in ancient literature it's called uh historical or literary mimesis Men, spell it Mimesis, M-I-M-E-S-I-S, Mimesis. Okay. Um, basically, it like sounds like it's it, related to exit and eisegesis. No, got to be. No. The esis has got to be. Esis has got to be. It's the same. There's a, there's a similar Latin root there going on, right? Or okay. a Latin suffix. Okay. Just, yeah. All right. Yeah. I see. Yeah. So basically, like ancient writers would would like as they're reporting history they will if there's if there's a well-known event or a well-known story from mythology they will they will frame the event in those familiar terms to make it more acceptable to their audience like a lot of people will look at um i think it's in the odyssey there's there's a story about uh i'm butchering the names in, in Mark's gospel, when he talks about um, James and John, the sons of thunder, there's a, there's a, there's an oft used criticism by, by atheists who try to claim that Jesus never existed. The gospels are pure fiction. It's all just storytelling. Steve, they just lifted it from the ancients. Right. Um, they point to parallels. I think it's in the odyssey of these two brothers who were sons of Zeus or something. And I'm totally butchering the details of it, but Richard Carrier makes much of this. Uh, Richard Carrier is is one of those. You can count on one hand the number of people with who are like credentialed, like historians who say that Jesus never exists, never existed. Richard Carrier is one of those people, and he uses this argument that like James and John, the sons of thunder, are. They're basically just inventions patterned off of this this episode in the Odyssey. Um, and there are some striking parallels, but what he doesn't mention is Pastor that, and Pollux. Yeah. Um, I don't are they in the Odyssey? But keep, anyway, keep it, it doesn't matter. But uh but this is this was a an oft-used uh convention in ancient the uh, historiography to use mimesis to to use kind of familiar uh familiar tropes to to tell their story it's just like i was reading a book the other day on uh the, the on the history of shaolin kung fu and the the authors are uh they're telling the story of some monk who uh um some abbot in, in a Shaolin monastery. And of course they're using Western terms. They didn't call them abbots. Um, but he, he, uh, he betrayed his fellow, he betrayed the monastery and kind of uh, gave away secrets. And he, he joined, uh, he, he joined these oppressive Imperial forces and used what he had learned for, for evil. They basically compared him to Darth Vader turning to the dark side. Like that's in the, you know, they weren't the the writer gave no indication that he that he had any knowledge of historical mimesis as an ancient practice, but he he used it 
And it's something that we kind of take for granted today when we when we find it. But when we find it in ancient literature, it's, you know, we take it as evidence of plagiarism. We take it as evidence to support whatever prejudice we brought with us to to uh, evaluate the material. And so, yeah, um, I mean, and it makes sense if you think about it from, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that was talked about that we've talked, we've mentioned it here. It was all oral tradition, right? So you're going from town to town and you're trying to tell stories and you're trying to relate to people. You're going to relate to them in, in common language, right? And if that means throwing in a little zinger here and there that gives a, an, a, a, an interplay back to something, it makes sense. Yeah. And I, not to quibble with you, um, but the, just the, the term oral tradition kind of sets off my, it makes my hair, it sets off my hackles because you hear oral tradition today and you think of, it invokes this idea of somebody telling a story and then somebody else repeating the story and it's kind of passed on anonymously and it's an uncontrolled tradition. <laughs> right. Um, the gospel, the stories that became the gospel stories, they were oral traditions in, in the technical sense. But they were controlled traditions. They were. It was like the Apostle Peter would go around to to different church communities, telling his stories of of Jesus. We all, we all have those stories that we tell that we get kind of get used to telling, and they kind of take on a uh, that kind of a format that we're that we're used to. Like you get used to like certain things resonate, um, certain things don't, and so you. You kind of refine it as you go, and it kind of takes on a final form. Um, it's still true in that final form, but you're emphasizing the things that work. You're dropping the things that don't. Um, it, so it kind of became, uh, you know, standardized in that sense, but it wasn't an oral tradition in the sense that we usually mean when we talk about, like we think of Paul Bunyan or uh George Washington chopping but, down but, cherry tree. But hold on, though. So just because, you know, Paul Bunyan wasn't true, it's it's an oral tradition that's still standard and it still passes the test of time. So the, so in other words, just because that wasn't written down, just because it's the oral tradition, we all know it the same way. Right. The ox's name was blue. Everybody knows that. It's not right, like everyone it's, knows that. it's not purple in certain regions or or brew somewhere else right it's always you know though though we know that you know it's you know a legend that you know if if i'm told a story from my grandfather and he tells my dad the same thing and it's something it's a tradition that they talk about every single thanksgiving and then we pass that tradition along in my family it's told the exact same way and it's all true and just because all of a sudden my grandchild decides to write those stories down that I told her every day in, in into a into a log, you know, that that's pretty close to to what to what it maybe and maybe she needs to spice it up and put a couple of things in there or or you know, drop a story or Yeah, I, I think you're saying that because it's just because it's an oral tradition in that sense, that doesn't necessarily mean it's untrue. Is that or what, is or that even or even that it gets adjusted that much or lost right right yeah and I and I'm not I, I agree with that but my my point is that when people talk about the gospels as oral traditions I think we were we were talking about Genesis uh, yeah we we're talking about the Old Testament which was 100 percent oral tradition by the way yeah. like that was why I was saying that I wasn't suggesting that like right 
Luke was oral tradition. I was talking about the, well, Tal I, the Talmud and early, the early writings. Yeah, but I, I would say that Luke, I mean, Luke is oral tradition, but it's not right. oral tradition in that sense. Yeah, yeah. And I like, think it, we're going to get relevant because we're, we're going to talk probably, um, you know, those, um, those apocalyptic, you know, toward the end of the Old Testament and compare it with Enoch and, you know, Daniel, we know that his events happened in, in what, six, six something BC, but a lot of scholars believe that the book was composed or written in 200, right? But that, that doesn't mean that, that Daniel didn't say those things or those things didn't, didn't and, occur. And it's also important to unpackage, well, why do they think that? Like what, what, what assumptions well, are, are well, underlying? Well, I, I think, I think in Daniel's case, uh, and, and I'm not going to go with scholars here. They, they just think that the, the prophecy is so accurate that they're like, there's no fucking way that yeah. that could have been written in 600 when those things didn't come to pass until, until later. And, and, and then, and they're like so so I'm just gonna go ahead and date it right here because they knew that stuff happened. Right. Uh, if you don't if you automatically reject divine inspiration and that God exists, that there are that prophets are that uh, there's such thing as supernatural predictive prophecy, that God speaks to people, tells them about the future. If you already know that doesn't happen, well, of course you have to date Daniel after the events he prophesies. You have to date the synoptic gospels after ad 70 because jesus predicts the fall of the temple but if you don't already know that you don't have you don't have that reason to date them then so like i don't i would never argue that daniel actually wrote the book of daniel because it's a narrative about daniel in the third person um right but um that but daniel, jesus references him and he yeah. says daniel said the as the prophet daniel says yeah absolutely yeah um, and, uh, you know, that Daniel was a real person who, and that the book of Daniel records the visions that he had that, that were prophetic. Um, well, if you, if, if you don't reject that God exists and that he, that he is the, that he chose Israel to be his people, then you don't have any good reason to think that's not, that's not valid and historical, but, um, um, I feel like we kind of got away from Matt's little question bit. about inerrancy and infallibility, <laughs> a little and, bit. and uh, that's probably my that's probably my fault. Um, that that was definitely my fault. Um, so I don't I don't like those I don't like the terms infallible or inerrant, um, largely because. When you ask people to define them, um, they usually qualify them to the point of being meaningless. Um, like inerrant, like I, it's often said that infallibility is a higher standard even than inerrancy. Inerrancy is there are no errors in the Bible, period, absolutely. Right. But then you point out I would think infallibility would be a, a lesser standard than that. Like it, ha it comes, it's, it's in, it, it can't fail in what it purports to teach, but the one, there are errors in it. Um, like that. And I, we've talked about them before. Um, one that comes to mind, um, 
in Mark's gospel, after the Sermon on the Mount, he tells the story of uh, how the uh, the centurion servant was sick, and he, I, I can't remember which, if it's uh, Matthew or Luke that puts it this way. You have the same story, basically, in different versions in Matthew and Luke. Mm -hmm. In Matthew, it's after the Sermon on the Mount. In Luke, it's after the Sermon on the Plain. Right. Um, in one version, the centurion comes out himself and asks Jesus to come heal his servant. And Jesus go, okay, sure, I'll go heal your servant. And he says, no, 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 dude, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. But I'm a, I'm on myself. I'm a, I'm a man under authority. I tell the servant, go when he goes, come when he comes. Um, I know that you can give the word and my servant will be healed. And then Jesus is amazed at his great faith and he... He pronounces them healed, and then that very hour, it reports his servant was healed without Jesus even being there. And in another version, they make a point to say that the the, the local Jewish elders came out to ask Jesus to heal him. And it says that, and he goes to do it, and they're, and they're like, no, 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 no. He doesn't consider himself worthy to have you come under his house. That's why he sent us. He didn't even think he was worthy to come talk to you himself. Um those are obviously the same story, right? But, but both can't be one hundred percent right, right? That, yeah, like, and that's that's actually what I was getting at is yeah. that if the spirit and intent is conveyed, the specificness of the words aren't relevant, and that's, I, I, I've I've had personally, and we talked about some of the stuff on the show, right? Like, I've had some of my own personal challenges with trying to be okay with that and to be more specific and brian one of the reasons we've never gone yet we haven't come full circle to have a what you thought was going to be this knockdown drag out fight around paul was i had problems with the tone that he used when he wrote because it didn't strike me as consistent with the tone of every other writer who had firsthand experiences with jesus after I got comfortable with the idea that the words aren't relevant, it's the spirit and intent and what you take from them that matters, my problems with Paul as a human fell away. And, and that's, that's a personal thing for me, right? Like, I still don't like Paul. Like, there's something about him as a person that comes through in his writings that I don't like. But that doesn't mean the theology that he was teaching is wrong. Yeah, yeah you and I have been friends for like 30 years. Like I, I feel like, I feel like I channel Paul sometimes, I, but it, by the way, I don't always like you. Right. Yes, but you I love do. you. No, I, I love R you. Right. Like there's a difference. Like right. our friendship is at a different level. Like there's days that I actually want to drown you. Right. Like, <laughs> but that doesn't change the fact yeah. that I, 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 I get over it. Right. Like, and the, the, I, I have to get to the spirit and intent of what's behind the part that I didn't like. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's something that when I had that, that aha moment with Paul relative to his writing and I separated, cause I used to look for things to, ah, gotcha. He wrote this and that's not right. Or this isn't hundred percent. Like I was looking for that and it was getting in the way of the theology that I could pull from his writing from the books. Right. Um, then that changes. And I think that's an important distinction about infallibility and errancy. Um, but, but I'm like you, I don't like the words because it puts too much. It's too, it's too legalistic, which is well, ironic that we're talking I, about the Bible and the Jews were so legalistic or are, but uh, 
that's a different discussion. I I put a pin in that to argue out later. But that's fine. Um, I would put it like I would I would probably say that people who subscribe to inerrancy and infallibility, I probably I would say that I probably believe the same things they do about the Bible, at least as far as it, it, it the. the the disagreement is semantic. I think that a better way to put it is that the Bible comes with absolute authority. It comes with God's authority. Mm -hmm. um, that I think that's the way that I would put it. To say that it's inerrant, that that's that sets a standard that it can't. That's why Bart Ehrman fell away, despite what he claims. It's a, I think you, so. I think so. If you yeah. read his early books, he's got this idea of the Bible being inerrant. And then he studies it as like in an academic setting and finds, oh, there I mean, that, are. That would be like God whispering, like, nope, comma, and yeah, go. exactly right. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there was a dangling participle. Why that. didn't you pick that up? Yeah, You're right. Yeah, just That's using not, I mean, using humans as vision. typewriters. Yeah, just... yeah. repeat when, all uh... after group seven. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's. A... <laughs> I like that, Dre. That's a. Yeah, that's that's that that Ooh. that's always been my my concern or my challenge with yeah. the multiple translation layers, the 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 style changing, right? Like people that, really that, that people still think KJV is the only authorized version of God's word, and that any other translation is 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 heresy. Like, man, we we progressed, man. We found new manuscripts. We found that, like, yeah, we've gotten better at reading yeah. ancient language than even they did in the in the fifteen hundreds, right? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, things as simple as, you know, the attempts to keep the, the, the prose consistent, right? Like that was one of the things that made KJV so hard to read for modern, modern Americans is modern humans, humans. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they, they, they were attempting to keep the, 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 the beauty of the written word because it was written in, in, in more song like manner, more like the Psalms are written. Yeah. Well, we don't speak that way now. Right. So you can't write that way. And it makes sense to us because it's not the way we communicate in 2000 yeah, we don't even speak like they did in world war one you ever read like yeah. a civil war letter from a pfc who was completely illiterate right. it's like better than any novel it's, that, it's like shakespearean you know, these kids are writing today yeah, yeah right. they're right they're writing in pentameter and all that <laughs> kind of stuff and and I now write things for a living and i'm i'm shamed by it like i'm <laughs> it's it's now, embarrassing for now things for our educated selves now stuff yeah. slaps for real for real on god no cap right like that's <laughs> that's how we write now so like yeah so uh I don't know where we were. We jumped okay. around a lot. We started talking yeah, about Enoch we and we did. took about we took about three off. I was about I was about I was about to circle back to Enoch, but I I I feel like there's so much we we just drove by that I wanted to talk about, but it would be self-indulgent okay. and irresponsible. We, we can put it in weeks. This could be Enoch part two. We we might yeah. have to get to a part two. Well, I, what we're talking about is not even really about Enoch. We, we're just setting the laying the groundwork for whether or not Enoch's inspired, or if it's true, or if it's historicity, or yeah, we should does do it, that mythorosity or whatever does that it, word was. Does so, it belong in in the Old Testament canon? Did it used to be part of it? Uh, you know, um, was it taken out? Those are those are the questions that a lot of people who who take a peek at some of this apographer to to say, hey. And uh, there's a lot of evidence that, you know, it, it was never in it, right? So 
Yeah, it, it was not included in the Septuagint, which is for right. the people listeners at home. That's the standard Greek translation of the Old Testament that was basically the Bible used by the first Christians. Um, and Jews never can put it in the Tanakh, which is um, is that is that am I belaboring the obvious if I explain what the Tanakh is? No, go ahead. I, th um, I think it's important. Actually, I don't think we've ever said the word Tanakh on this show, so no. Yeah. Uh, it's just the it's just the Jewish the Jews word for the Old Testament. It mean it's an acronym from Torah Kethuvim Nevim, which is the law. When you when you read in the Gospels, when Jesus talks about the law, the the law, the prophets, and the writings. Right. That's that's the Tanakh. That's the Old Testament, what we call. Except they don't they don't recognize the New Testament, so naturally they don't call it the Old Testament. It's just their Bible, right. and so when I say Tanakh, when I say Tanakh, it typically means the the Masoretic text, which is the standard Jewish text that's in use today that was developed in the Middle Ages. Um, but it, it's you know it stands for Torah, Ketuvim, Nevim, the law, the prophets, and the law, the the writings and the prophets. So even even the the believers at Qumran, they even though they had scrolls of Enoch, uh, I I think they found a couple of manuscripts with like a complete Bible. It wasn't part of it. It was like an appendix. It was like at the end where they're like, hey, we read this and we get things out of it, but it's not. It's not part of of our scripture, and I thought I thought that was really interesting because that's, that's an early manuscript of finding all of all of I, these things. I knew we found we found we found fragments of Enoch in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, I didn't know they. I thought they took it more seriously. Um, I didn't know they had it as an appendix, but but um, even an appendix is still more serious than we take it today by leaps and bounds. Yeah, for sure. Right. Um, and What's then, of course, the, Ethi the Ethiopian version, which was written in, in Gies, right, which is arguably an older language than even Aramaic and in, in, in Hebrew. So that doesn't mean that that language was written at that time. It just means that that's the language that they that they found right. this manuscript in. What What's interesting about that is, um, and I didn't know this till this week when I was preparing for this episode, yes everybody yeah. we do do homework before our shows yeah. <laughs> i read the whole book of enoch this week to prepare i did for this. i did that Ooh. um <laughs> like i've i've read it before but it, i just thought i should review since we're going to talk about it and i have like so much i want to say now that uh that uh we probably won't get to but uh the interesting thing is that the ethiopian church includes it in their canon but if you read read the 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 Gia's version of Genesis six, they go with the Sethite interpretation. Are you guys familiar? I didn't, I didn't know that. That's interesting. It's it's pretty. How, weird. Do, how in the world do they do they reconcile those two? Don't know. Like I don't know. That's um, weird. So for, for for everybody for everybody listening at home, the Sethite vert what that means is the interpretation of the sons of God, um, which we on this show consider to mean angels. Is referring to humans that are of Sethite descent. Um, that's uh, simply put. That's what that means. So that means that the Ethiopian Church do, do not read Genesis six as <clears throat> a precursor to the Vine Council worldview. Simply put, we, we, yeah. Which but, is bizarre so you, because the entire so book of Enoch, Enoch is all watchers. The, the, well, the first the first well, section, but for it sure. says it in Enoch. 
like Enoch, right? Enoch is Genesis six expanded. That's literally what the book of Enoch is. It's like, it's like when you get to Genesis six, read Genesis six, four, and then open the book of Enoch and read the whole thing. And then go back to finish reading Genesis six. Yeah. It's, uh, that's stunning. It's so, so the one, the one thing I want to read the first two sections and then the, and the third section is Noah. The third section is different. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and I, so just full disclosure, I've only read the first section, the first book or the first subsection within Enoch. Yeah, that's the only part the, that I'm super interested in because it's the, the most I, watcher the, the, heavy. The second one's good too because it talks about, you know, uh prophecies and the son of man. I, I know. And that's yeah. why I stopped because my interest in Enoch is watcher okay. specific, right? Fair. And that's that's where my defense of Enoch comes in is around the watcher part. Um and we're getting super disjoint. I think we're all actually getting a little energetic around this conversation. So it's getting a little hard to to manage. Yeah, this is this is where this we've been agreeing with each other aggressively up until now. And so we're gonna now we're gonna fight. I want to point one thing out that I thought was just massively huge before we start diving too deep. So I want to direct everybody to Enoch chap book one, uh chapter seven, verse seven. Okay. So this thing jumped off the page at me. So it's explaining chapters. So chapter seven is titled the holy angels. And each verse is a describing one of the archangels essentially. Right. So it, 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 and it calls these out. Now, Dre made the comment earlier. This is where we get a lot of angelic names from. Most of the angels are not named in the Bible. And that's really fascinating. We, everybody. There's really, there's really only two names. Michael yeah. and Gabriel. Michael and Gabriel, right. And then if you want to consider Lucifer having been an angel, right? Like those are the only angels that are named with And that's with even debatable names. if that's his name. I, I know, but, but I'm just saying that's the only other proper name yeah. we get for an angel. Well, Abaddon. Is Abaddon in the Bible? Yeah, that's it. That's in the book of Revelation. Is it's, it? it, it it's the, the angel of destruction who right. is the angel of the abyss. Right. Okay. And I didn't remember if it was in... He he's called Apollyon in Greek, Abaddon in mm-hmm. Hebrew, and and it's it they debate. There's debate over whether that's just another name for for Satan, like the devil, or if that's a distinct person entity yeah. in himself. Um, but all of the and or even if it's just a archetype, a, a figurative um, device, and that, and all that depends on. What you was know, that word that that what Heiser, is the interpretation you're Brian? What to? was that word that Heiser used? It wasn't archetype or it was a, another word like symbol or it was typology? a literary typology. Yeah, yeah, a type. Yeah, yeah. you said archetype. Uh, so anyway, I we got distracted again. So uh, chapter seven, it's explained. It's describing Uriel, Raphael, Raguel, Michael, Gabriel. Okay. Gabriel, one of the holy angels who is over paradise and the serpents and the cherubim. So no other angels are over animals by name. So this to me is a Eden commentary. And it goes to, it goes to the serpent being a snake or not. Like maybe serpent isn't a snake. Maybe we just named our thing Correct. we call the that's, snake. That's what after, jumped. That's what jumped off this page of at me. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, "Wait, what?" Because none of these angels are like over horses, <laughs> right, right. or or over any other animal. There's not another mortal thing mentioned, right? So 
Uh, so in other gonna... words, the serpent that approached Eve was just another angel. Right. It was a type of angel. That's what right. that's what this that's what this verse says to me. And it's so really a, weird. What was a serpent's job, do you think? I, that's a whole different conversation. Like we could make right, that cause, up cause because they, maybe because it's described. I got to look define, this up. They define cherubim, you right. know, and, you know, how they're like the like the throne guards. Mm -hmm. And they stick a cherubim in front of the Garden of Eden entrance to make sure that Adam and I, Eve don't come back. Guys, I'm telling right. you, this freaked me out when I read this, right? So I'm just, while Brian's looking, I'm going to read these other ones off just for clarity, right? So Uriel was one of the holy angels. He was over the world and over Tartarus, which is weird. Raphael, one of the holy angels who's over the spirits of men. Raguel, one of the holy angels who takes vengeance on the world of the luminaries. Where was that in Enoch again? Uh, book one, chapter seven. I think you're, I think that PDF that I sent you, I think it's, it's got a, I think that, I think the, the chapter and verse system is different than what I got. Oh, I don't know. I did have a weird chapter and verse system on a PDF that I had. And, read that's, and that's one of the problems. Well, I'm just reading off the, I'm reading Enoch. the titles. I'm not using the, yeah. the table. I'm not using right. the nav buttons. I'm using what's typed yeah. in the pages. Sure. Um, but so then can, but, can you but, read that verse to me? Yeah. Gabriel, one of the holy angels who is over paradise and the serpents and the cherubim. Mike. So Michael is set over the best part of mankind and over chaos. And then this weird one I've never heard of, Sarah Quell, one of the holy angels who is set over the spirits who sin in the spirit. Oh, okay. I know what I know what's going on. I know why this is happening. Yeah. Why it's breaking that, funny. I I I I say I don't I shouldn't have sent you that PDF. I should have sent you a better PDF. What? That PDF okay. sucked. Why are you sending me sucky PDFs? Because I'm a I'm a bad person. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is my fault, everyone. I, I actually when I was when I was looking up uh instances where son of man is used, I found a PDF and I was like, this is not what I know in what what kind of numbering system is this? And I had to See, go back and this is what I'm going off of. Mm -hmm. And it's a it's a totally like this isn't digital who, unless you unless who you wrote pay that? for it. This is uh new translations from authoritative text with introductions and critical notes by an international team of scholars james h charlesworth is the editor et, this et, is at alia kind of thing yeah this is this is like i'm i'm told by a friend of mine who teaches hebrew um and ancient semitic languages um in at a local bible college in tulsa that this is like the standard my my point my point is, is that if you look online or youtube or all these things they always have the rh charles translation from oxford and do you, do you know you know who that is brian i don't okay so th this is a dude that uh that reconciles the son of man and if you look at enoch 71 uh 14 right where where enoch is named the son of man right he changes well... it he changes it to a third person and if you and if you read it it says that uh and basically, it basically says that he's in the presence of the Son of Man because it it sat with him uncomfortably and like every scholar attacks this dude. But if you look up all the versions online, R.H. Charles' version is the one that comes up. Okay, It's almost like in defense of, of the Book of Enoch. Well, I I, I read that in this also. Okay. I think there, there's something 
that's worth discussing. That's actually probably, I know we're jumping around a lot. Yeah. And, um, so we can go back to where Matt was at and we, I think we'll, we'll catch, cause that's in the first section anyway, and not the second section with we're talking about right now. Right. And the second section that, that does, that's a meaty section and that's like massively yeah. important to Christians. And we would be, we would be criminally negligent if we did not give that its due attention. It's like super important. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, we should like we should probably devote a whole episode to just book well, two. Maybe, there's there's no reason to not break this up because there's a lot to go through yeah. here, and and we're all interested for different reasons in it, right? So like this, like I had no expect that. That's why for everybody listening at home, we did a quick little huddle before we hit the record button. And Brian was like, how are we going to cover this? And I'm like, I don't know, man, talk about the thing that happened in Miami. Let's get into the book of Enoch and let's, let's let this thing go. We don't have to resolve anything today because there's a lot to talk about. And here we are not resolving things. Yeah. Um, well, I think we ought to focus our d discussion today on, is it, is it inspired? What, or, and if it, if it, if it is, why is it? If it's not, why is it not? Um, I think that's the that the most important thing to discuss before we get into the rest of that. I, I, I feel like that's putting the cart before the horse. Why? Because there's too many things to talk about in here to to have an opinion up front whether or not it's real before we talk about it. Well, if it's if 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 the book of Enoch is the word of God, or if it's well, a, but, but, a, but, a, so, a work of historical curiosity, so, those so, are different. I agree, but I have, but my answer is neither. I mean, if you want, it's fine. We can have this conversation. Let's have the conversation. So here's, Let's here's what it. I think. Let's do it. I, I think there's a possibility that book one is inspired. Okay. That doesn't mean that the other books within the book of Enoch are all part of the actual same book. Right. Like, I don't know that Enoch wrote this with his hands. And it's an oral tradition. Right. And even what did he tell all of this story, right? Like it's very possible that some of this was hijacked. Um, like I'm not going to sit here and defend the, you know, the Gnostic undertones in some of this, but that doesn't mean it was there to begin with, right? Um, the book one, as I read through it, Which feels... The book of the watchers. The as... book of the watchers, right? It's called book one in the in the in the well, it's, in, it's section it's section one. In the sucky because, PDF that Brian sent me, it's called book Because one. the parables are all book one as well. <laughs> yeah, that's not in this well, one. It's the watchers is book no, one, right. parables right, is book Brian. two, book yeah, of yeah. Noah's book three, right? Okay. So so to me, book one is Genesis six expanded. Right. It just gives us a lot of insight into what in the wild world was right. going on with the angels specifically during the fall. Right. Or this the this this version of fall that happened. I shouldn't call it the fall because oh, the, there's the, different the, falls. The, the pre a, a little background really quick for the the listeners. Um Michael Heiser, his his big thing is that Christians typically talk about uh, the work of Jesus as dealing with with the fall being the Garden of Eden. The, the, that's that's the one rebellion that defines Christianity. His argument is that there are actually three rebellions. Um, the fall being one of them from the Garden of Eden. The second being the the Watchers on Mount Hermon that we're that we're talking about now in the Book of Enoch um, that precipitated the flood. The third being the Tower of Babel. Um, 
which uh, the Book of Enoch doesn't talk about the ba Tower of Babel, but it, it in talking about the events that precipitated the flood, it frames the Tower of Babel. Like you, like yeah. the whether whether you believe Enoch is inspired or not, what you read in the Book of Enoch absolutely informs the Tower of Babel. But that also, when you take a talk about why that is. It also speaks to the question of inspiration for Enoch, but I'll I'll explain that later. But but, but yeah. I, I'm going to let Matt finish. No, that's finish fine. His point. Yeah, that's that's good background. I, I I that was a good backup because I didn't think to reform the 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 kind of the 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 Trinity, if you will, the Divine Council worldview concept. Mm -mm. That's, that's, too, that's <laughs> confusing. That's too, too, too much. Confusing. Too much. Too that's on the too nose. Confusing. So anyway, my point is. I would make a strong argument that book one is potentially inspired. I'm not, I'm not going to die on the hill, whether it is or isn't, but I'm saying it could easily be inspired. There's nothing in book one that, that countermands or inviolates any concepts elsewhere, elsewhere in the Bible. All it does is put a ton of color around the watcher situation, which is why I personally believe it was taken out and away from the Bible. I think that the concept of the watchers, the stories about angels and humans, and the, the overtly supernatural undertones that precipitated the flood was too much for the church to continue to contend with. And so it was easier to just move this stuff out of view than to have it in clear view. That's, that's my simple take. Matt, you ignorant slut. Tell me, tell me what about book one is, 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 is so in, in irreconcilable with the Bible. Uh, I wouldn't say irreconcilable, but I don't, I don't think that that's not the criterion for inspiration. Though. No, it's not, but you got to start somewhere. And the answer to it's not inspired can't be because the earlier guys before us said it wasn't. Why, why is not, why is that not the answer? Because that's, like, that's, that's a cop-out answer. I don't think it's a cop out, but if if the if if it wasn't included in the Septuagint, if it if the Jews didn't include it in the Tanakh, and I don't mean the medieval Tanakh, I mean the ancient Tanakh, like if it just wasn't in the canon of Scripture, ever by anyone other than a few individuals who thought maybe maybe it should be, um, then I I think I really think the burden is on the person who says they're all wrong it should be scripture it might be i'm not saying you're automatically wrong by that that's but... fair that's fair I, I mean that's a that's a fair response my i guess my point is the stuff in it is not in any way shape or form remotely necessary and that would be a good reason to make it a footnote or an appendix to the bible versus not inserting it in the bible but that doesn't mean that it shouldn't be read or understood by those that are trying to understand. And, and, and my, and my, my, I absolutely agree with that. Okay, it, cool. Cool. And, and, and honestly, I think if, I think of a, if, if you're a Christian and by definition, a, like a, like a sincere Christian who wants to understand the Bible and wants to know God, um, you should want to read the book of Enoch and understand it and, and, and know how it influenced the culture at the time, the, the time that Jesus lived in the composition right, they of the did. New Testament. 
right? They all did hundred percent, right? <laughs> yeah. Like that's yeah. like, if, if you're, if, if you, if you, if you claim to love God and you want to know him and you want, and then you should want to read the Bible for one thing. Um, and if you want to read the Bible and understand it, you need the book of Enoch. Mm -hmm. You don't have to take the book of Enoch as scripture. I don't take the book of Enoch as scripture. I would actually argue you shouldn't take it as, as scripture, but it is. I, I guess. Know, so, so here's, so here's, let me ask this question. Well, hold on. This is, this is kind of, this is actually a good, like well, it's what you just said though. to one of the, but this is a good kind of tie into something you said earlier okay. that I ran by and, and this kind of, this, it's actually really applicable about, um, you know, the slippery slope of what's true. Mm -hmm. The truth of the Bible is predicated on its historicity first and foremost. Um, in order to understand what the Bible is saying, you have to understand the times in which it was written. Um, that's a process that's, that's, that takes work. Reading the book of Enoch is part of that process. It's not that mm -hmm. hard. I, re I read the whole thing in, in a week. It's not a, um, it's not a surprise. It's surprisingly not that big for as much attention as it gets on some of the fringe areas of, of Christianity. Right. Um, but it's, uh, but anyway, that's like, just, I just want to emphasize the inspiration of the Bible. It's predicated on its historicity, um, starting with the resurrection uh, from an epistemological standpoint. And it goes from there. But anyway, that's, that's all I wanted to say. No, that's it. fine. And, so my, my and, only response to that is, when you Dre say, looks like he's dying to say something. No, not not to you. Yeah, I I, I saw oh. the body language. Um, oh, sorry, sorry. Um, you you made a comment. You said you know it should be read if a person wants to understand and get closer to God. They should they should read the Book of Enoch, but they shouldn't consider it scripture. Right. So here's my question: What's the difference? What what. what no, let me, let me form my question a little bit better. But my first, the base question is, what's the difference? If a person is reading a book and they're told this book is the inspired word of God. Okay. And then they say, oh, and you should also read this extra book that's 100% not the inspired word of God, but it's super, super important. If, even if only to understand the the thoughts and intentions and and feelings and contemporaryanisms and whatever whatever right what is the difference that's, and, that's a i love the question perfect perfect question yeah um well one thing that jumps out just as an example um the nephilim were 300 cubits tall according to the book of enoch and in modern uh measurement that's 450 feet tall um, I mean, this is, this is clearly hyperbolic, yeah. it's not, it's yeah. not literal. Right. Um, and we, we literally just had a conversation about that's okay. Well, but even, even when you read the Bible, when it, when it talks about, uh, like when, even when we're adjusting for the fact that they thought the earth was flat, they had a number zero. Um, sometimes they did use hyperbolic language. Um, they didn't, they, you know, they, they didn't understand about climates, uh, about, uh, meltwater pulses and climate change and seawater rises and comet strikes. Um, so they just said global flood and that conveyed what they experienced. Even then they don't describe the Nephilim as being the, the, the 
the height of skyscrapers. But my but my simple response is so it's, what? It's not Godzilla and King Kong running around. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But yeah. but they were trying to make a point that they were scarily big and they were dangerous and they were they were clearly not human. Like if that's right. all they were trying to get across, then spirit intent was conveyed. No, I think the book and, of Enoch, they were, I think the they writer were of Enoch with their food, right? Like what humans couldn't feed them enough. So like, well, if you're not gonna feed me, I'm just gonna eat you. Yeah. <laughs> like so it's that would make such a cool movie. I don't know. I don't totally I, make I, a cool movie. I can't believe nobody's done that yet. I'm um, I'm I'm calling up Angel Studios and we're yeah. we're making this. We're, we're gonna be the special I, advisors. Not that might be a little too intense for them though. Like Nephilim just straight up eating folks. I think they make a cartoon about it though, don't they? About right. Nephilim doing cannibalism? Not can, not the can but they have a they have a children's cartoon about Nephilim. Uh probably, but they're like Skeletor or you know Megatron or something. We can other. do this. We can do this PG thirteen. All right, it can, but no, it can happen. No, no, I'm thinking R. horror movie. But R straight R. Like I, but, I want to go get um, my man uh, uh, Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie to Rob be Zombie, the director. Okay. Just don't, don't get that Zack Snyder. It's ruined too much. No, Rob Zombie. Okay, Rob Zombie for sure. Hundred percent. Right. So. To your question about what is the difference between like reading and mm-hmm. inspired scripture, I, I don't like I don't think it's inspired scripture because, but first of all, all the stuff that Enoch illuminates for us in the Bible, like the the like Genesis six, the Watchers, the the Nephilim, we know for a fact that all of those things, all of that content in the Bible predates the Book of Enoch. Like the people who were reading the Bible were not depending on the book of Enoch to inform this. Rather, the book of Enoch preserves the backstory that they already knew from other I, sources. I, I, I agree with you, but that's not you're not answering my question. What is what's the difference? Like well, as you're reading it, if you're but, reading the book of Enoch with the with the knowledge that it's not divinely inspired and it's a backdrop, like I don't, I don't, I, I'm struggling with what that does to change how I read the book. Well, reading it, you're not, that's not the word of God. You're not reading this as if this is God telling humanity. He wants you to know Nephilim were 450 feet tall. Um, what this doesn't, it's, it's more, I, I think it gets you closer to understanding the things that are divinely inspired, but it's not itself divinely inspired. Um, like it, it preserves a, a backstory and a, and a cultural understanding that, that predates the book of Enoch that we, that we wouldn't otherwise have fleshed out for us with, but for the book of Enoch. So I think I would say that God inspired the, the, the actions and events that led to us having it for sure. But he didn't inspire the text itself in the sense that he did the Torah or the Gospels. Um, but it kind of it kind of displays because in, in Genesis it talks about every man is wicked. But if all the men are infused with this demonic DNA, it kind of causes a good reason. And it's it's kind of the whole you know all these atheists or people that don't believe in the old Testament, you know, God that says, well, why do you want to just wipe out the entire earth? Because the entire earth weren't humans. It wasn't what it was 
I mean, well, I don't know that every human being was a Nephilim. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that either. But also, what there's like a there's like a Nephilim comeback too, right? So when we start talking about Joshua, you yeah. know, going on his his campaign, there, why do we kill all the people there? Well, because they're affiliated with Nephilim. And it, and if and if that's just a you know, a, a side note and doesn't, it's not explained. And you're like, well, fuck's wrong with all them. Like, well, but then we killed all of them well, just, kinda... just so that, so, so the Jews can have their homeland. So Yikes. what, what, what do you mean by that? If it's not, a, if it's, if it's just a side note, if it's not explained, can, can you, can you elaborate on what you mean by that? What I mean by that is that these, these creatures that were, or, or people or demons that were in control of the nations in control of the homeland that was promised it wasn't just humans it was something that actually took god to come help do the fight so it, it wasn't just you know okay. joshua in, in his in his badass israelites it was god leading the charge himself yeah yeah i i, I agree with that i understand i understand that are, are you saying that they're I don't think you're saying therefore it, the book of Enoch is inspired. I'm I'm saying that it well, I mean being inspired is, is one thing, but it's super important. And I don't think that it that's, just lends Jason just whatever whatever the Bible already has, because the there's a lot of holes and there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of like, well, I got faith, but that seems a little fucked up to me. Well, Where if you if you read Enoch, you're like, oh, I get it. No, no I, wonder. No, I, I agree with you. I get that. I I totally agree with you. Um but what I'm saying is that to the people of the time who the, the people were reading about in the Bible who conquered the promised land, who settled it, who followed David as he slayed Goliath and then and then drove out the Philistines and 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 okay. slayed the rest of the giants. My point is that they like they already understood this. This was already part of their cultural background. So and did so something get lost from that time? to 200 bc where people needed that new foundation and background well no so, so but the point that, the point that the point that dre started to make if i'm not mistaken was he was we're going back to and i want to play a, a i'm going to use code i'm going to i want to play a sweet baby gang trick on you brian explain to me what the difference between inspired and uninspired writing is without using the word inspired or uninspired Oh, what is a woman? Yeah, because um, because I'm being really serious, by the way, like it, it, we all think kind of like you were talking about being infallible or, or or whatever, like the concept of inspired writing has like this like special place, rightfully so. I'm not I'm not I'm, I'm not poo pooing in the inspired writing of the Bible, but that doesn't mean that a book that's uninspired is wrong. Or it doesn't yeah. mean that that and the, I, and the, I'm not, the, the I'm things not saying that did or didn't I'm not happen. It is. I'm right? not saying it is. So that's why I'm saying so what? Like I, I guess I guess I'm struggling with this this impossibly high bar of inspired writing as being the this this thing that nobody can explain. Nobody really knows how to how to prove it or disprove it. We're working off of the word of a guy who's working off the word of a guy who's working off the word of a guy. Uh. I don't, I don't and even more, a... it's not that it's not it's just an appendix but you'll find christians that are like don't even open that thing. right they say it's straight up heresy that that, that is heresy right 
And like one of the reasons that the Jews don't dig it is because of the um, the mention of of Fenuel and how he's the god of hope. He's basically the Superman symbol that's on your chest right now, and and that he is the face of God. If you translate the word Fenuel, hope and the face of God, and that prophesies Jesus, and that's when that's when uh, the Jews are like, "I'm out." No so Jesus. You're, so you're so you're saying that was a deep cut by the Jews when they when they figured out that when the the messianic conspiracy that they're trying to stamp out that they figured out it was in it was in Enoch. So they they went back and would, retconned it out of the Bible, out of the Talmud I, I, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I I would say the Book of Parables is probably the big the deal breaker for the Jews on that. And that um, and that's kind of my point. Like the book of the Book of Parables has and stuff. and we're gonna get into that. Um. We need to get in that. That's like a super important part of. We have to, we're gonna have to do part two for the book of parables. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna we're, we're gonna do a part two here. But for now, I think we ought to focus on is it inspired? Why or why not? And I, so is okay. So is there a difference between inspired and scripture? No. No. I mean, etymologically, scripture just means writing. Right. But when we talk about scripture, what we mean is inspired canonical scripture. And I, you know, I kind I, I don't I, I I appreciate Matt's question. I I I so I want to disagree with some of the, the terms there. By the way, I don't think we're fighting enough. We're not gonna we're gonna lose we're not we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna lose <laughs> well okay. Well we're gonna they, lose they, audiences they, if they, we can don't I ask start... you this? Let me ask you this if you want to fight. <laughs> well hold on. Let me I, I want to fight. Yeah, no, I, me too. Me too. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> me too. <laughs> let me let me do some let me do some less. Maybe maybe this will provoke something. I, I love know. that Brian has finally come to the dark side and realizes us fighting is, <laughs> is the content of the show. But usually I'm the guy who's like, you know, starting it, but I don't want to. But it's just because I have because you make me because you you do evil and I have to. Man, stop if you, you don't get to the point but... where you were trying to get it, with <laughs> okay, sorry, we're gonna fight. Andrew's had it with uh, you right now. I know. <laughs> this is a, this is the part where Andrew blows up when I when I'm at your house. But uh, yeah, so unlike the "what is a woman" question, I think the word "inspired" is actually self-evident. Inspired means God breathed, like is like God breathed the way like God is speaking it. Like, is it God speaking? Is it actually the word of God, or is it not? Like I, that's the definition. I think it's a pretty like just okay. me talking is right. not God. That's that's fine. So, now, if, but if, I, but I think what you're asking is what's the criterion mm -hmm. for is it God breathed or is it mm -hmm. not? Um, as far as the Old Testament, well, the criteria we can't say criteria because the criteria is the answer, right? The criteria, if it's inspired, is if God breathed it. What I'm asking is, how do you know? That's 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 what I mean by the criterion. Yeah. How do you how do you mm -hmm. what are the telltale signs of it right. being God breathed? Right. Um, and I would say that that and that's actually a really complex question for the Old Testament. Right. Um, it's I, easier I think, for I I know for the Old Testament, I know what your answer is. First person account, contemporaries of Jesus. Like we've been through this conversation. Well, so I know the, I, I get it for, for the, the, new, for the Testament, new Testament. Yeah. For the New Testament, it's was it written by or sponsored by an apostle? Right. Easy peasy. Right. right. Easy day. Right. For the Old Testament, it, it's a whole different animal. It's much okay. more difficult, but a lot of it, 
what I'm about to say, I'm going to try to be con concise with this because it's complex. But what I'm about to say is essentially you kind of have to trust the Jewish people. They knew what was inspired and what wasn't. And what they what they determined based on the Septuagint, based on the Tanakh, was that the Book of Enoch was not inspired. And I'm, I kind of got into some of it before about why it's not which I'll elaborate on in a minute. Um, but when you read the, like, when you read the Old Testament, when you, when you put yourself inside the narrative, they were not a people of the book as we would think of them. Like they didn't, they didn't base their relationship with God on the way we do on the Bible. We, of course, we learn about this from the Bible, but what, God did not give them a Bible at Mount Sinai. He 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 turned them into a nation, and gave them a priesthood. Like it was it was the institution of the Levitical priesthood and the temple system, by which they knew God. God was physically present among them through the Ark and the Tabernacle, and so it's not like they could go home and read their Bibles and come become closer to God in that right. way, right? Um, it was more about geography because it was the promised land and God dwelled among them in that particular land. And it was about the, the priesthood and the lineage. Um, it was the, it was the, the Aaronic priesthood of the tribe of Levi who were there to, like they had the law and the, but the priests were the people who expounded upon it. And there's actually a lot to learn from that. And that's, a different topic but it's there's something that we can learn from the fact that like for god to be present in the world he's not just you know ink printed on pages he has to be embodied in people and that's what israel was and so the, their idea of what is there was not inspired scripture it's kind of, it's predicated on that first and foremost what is the story of israel um and that's what Gen that's what Genesis through Malachi tells, and that's why those are canonical. As far as the Book of Enoch goes, why that's not canonical? Um, I mean, there is a there is a lot in Enoch that it. Well, there's another question of if we decided, let's say, for the sake of argument, that it's canonical. Um, well, okay, which, what what no, are the balance? Yeah, that's the that's fair. Of Enoch. And that's that's what I was suggesting is my 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 suggestion is and I didn't read too heavily I heard what you and Dre have said I skimmed it I see it references the Son of Man a lot so I get why they the Jews didn't like it but that's more fuel to my fire using why Jews, why Jews didn't like it post Christianity right they didn't have a problem with it at first because they were like yeah this is fine and then when all the stuff with Jesus happened they were like nah what else mentions Son of Man get that shit out of our book right. But well, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. So, okay. So my initial, and by the way, all right. So, so, so what I'm suggesting is, is that like, just bear with me, like, let's play a little, what bear if, right? You. Right. So book one and two were actually written in, you know, I'm going to make up somewhere between 600 and 300 BC, just whatever. doesn't matter. Just, it was written back then. Okay. I or will maybe, not argue because okay. you're it's hypothetical, but whatever, I would otherwise. Right, right. 
then the Jesus thing happens. The Jews are not happy. They go back and they retcon and they cut manuscript out of their books that they've been writing. Some small version survived somewhere. Then the, the, the Aryan Gnostics picked up on these, these lost manuscripts and started tacking onto it to try to further their cause. First, second, and third, you know. Right. Yeah. For everything past or the parables. Yeah, third and fourth. And yeah. Fifth. Third, third, fourth, third, fourth, and fifth. And, well, and second so, and third are pretty late, but I, I don't I don't want to. I, eh, I'm, there's I, arguments. Yeah. I, I'm just saying, like, that to me is highly plausible. Again, I'm not going to die on this hill. I don't, it doesn't matter because if I could petition the church, not the Roman Catholic Church, but the church, and we could go have a conclave and I win, like, nothing really changes. It'd be like a, now what kind of thing, right? Like, it's like, you know, so what, what changed? Not a single thing, right? Like nothing of those two books, book one or the watchers or the parables. I actually think, I actually think the changes would be improvements based on a, an error. Consolidation and, and, and things would be made. It's so bad that if we fuck it up, it'll be actually better. Right, that's that's. I feel like that's what Brian. Just it's, said. It, it'd be worth catching him. It would be worth him keying your car, just so you could catch him doing it. <laughs> so I, I I read somewhere that uh, that after was it Malachi? Whenever whenever you, at some point God said, "Hey, we're taking a pause. I'm not going to actually speak to prophets anymore." Mm -hmm. Yeah. Until until I think John the Baptist was like the next dude that that was able to receive some inspiration. Right. Um, John the Baptist is is understood in Christianity to be the last old Testament prophet. Okay. And, uh, but, but then it, a lot of scholars will place the book of Enoch at 300 BC for, for, for book one to, you know, 180. So if that's the case, then it can't be inspired because there's no prophets. There's no prophets to write this down. But that, that's, that's, no, no, one, no, no, that's no, no, one of the no, no. arguments. Boop, boop, boop. They didn't have to, it could have been written in 200 AD if the oral tradition was created okay, here, in 300 BC. I'm with you, well, which I, is why. Let me, let me add something here because I, I don't want to brag or sound douchey here, but I, I read the whole thing. Um, so the second to last book of Enoch has him giving what he wrote down to his son Methuselah and and like for, to be kept for future generations. So people who are pro-Enoch being scripture would argue that, yeah, Enoch actually did write it. He gave it to his son Methuselah, who, who kind of kept eventually it gave served. it to Noah. It, it is written first right. person. Yeah, that's fair. Right. That's um, fair. I don't believe that happened, but that's the argument for it being canonical. That's fair. But but if we accept that argument, then we got to accept not just the Book of the Watchers, but all six books of Enoch. And I don't mean, I Why? mean, okay, first Enoch comprises, um, hold on, let me make sure I, I'm getting this right. But, my, but just, the, no, okay, I, five, the five, is, there, there are, in, in, in first Enoch, in the document that we call first Enoch, there are five books. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then after that, and that's what was completed before Jesus was born in the, I'm sorry, the fifth book of Enoch, that's the final one. And actually it's in, it's in the fourth book also, but then it repeats in the fifth book, if I'm remembering correctly. He, he, gives, the, he gives what he wrote down to Methuselah to preserve for future generations. And mm -hmm. The argument is that, it, that for people who are pro-Enoch being scripture, is that you know what we have is the book of Enoch is what he gave to Methuselah. That's that's why it's preserved. And then it was. I I, I don't buy that. But well, that's, but just because he gave, just because it says it somewhere, doesn't mean that everything that we call the book of Enoch today were all words from Enoch to Methuselah. Well, if we accept that argument, there is kind of a progression from book to book, where like the book of the watchers tells a certain story part of this part right. of the story yeah. Yeah. and then the book of the sim the similitudes or the parables however you put it sim similitudes and parables are the same thing it's just there's different language it's it's there's this and this is a whole other thing but it's worth noting here the scholarship on this is so recent that's that there that there's not a standardized yeah that's... way of referring to these things which is why you run into problems about well what are the boundaries of the book of right. enoch right but right. i don't want I, that's that's a whole it, other it topic it was first found in 1764 which is an awesome story like, right like, this whole thing like i don't mean like how it was found i mean just that like that that might be a, its own podcast just talking about the fact that it this got been found lost for yeah. so long and now it's we have it because the, the Ethiopians Jews, are like we've always had this right, <laughs> but they but they they kind of juke up Genesis right. six at the same time. Right. But uh, but um, so but but my point is like each book of Enoch, each book of First Enoch, I mean, it it kind of like it's predicated on the last. So like you can't just you can't just decide this book is valid. Because okay. it's built on yeah, this with, one, which is built on within that book one. one. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. My point is just because we agree, like let's say we all agree that. And by the way, this is just I'm playing devil's advocate. I understand. I don't, I don't accept this no, argument. I I totally get it. This is that's the point of this whole conversation. Like the yeah. the reality is none of us know, and no one knows, right? Like clearly. Why? Well, I, I have a. I have what a, do I have we not? Question. What do we not know? I have a, I have a question. Go ahead. You have a question. I want to know what we don't know. We don't know <laughs> who wrote this book. We don't. That's my that's right. So hundred percent. I don't that know was, why you act was... like you thought you do. No, what what don't we know? I know. I that's know. what Brian was like. What do I... we not know? We don't know shit about Enoch. Okay, yeah, you're so, right. We don't. <laughs> we don't know shit about the book of Enoch or <laughs> Enoch authorship. We don't know anything about Enoch unless we believe the book of Enoch is true because he gets mentioned in like three sentences in the Bible. Yeah, that's, that was my point from the start. Well, so we don't know anything about. We either know a lot about Enoch or we know nothing about Enoch. There's no in between. Dre. You've been so patient. You're a <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what's your fun. question. So I'm, I just so is is there anywhere in the Old Testament at all that talks about um, uh, angels being given wives? Any 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 matrimony stuff? given being, in, in a good way? Given by who? By God? Do they talk about marriage at all? About angels? No, just just Genesis six where they. They exactly. take wives. Well, they, they said they take wives. So there, I guess, because of the literary use, you could but, assume. But that it was a sin. It was implied. huge. It was like it was, it was big a big time. deal. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it got him killed, right? Or it got him imprisoned for. Well, they're they're in the abyss. 
So in, in Matthew 22, which hang on, hang on. Oh, I love what, I love where you're going with it. I know. Hey, so let me get to it. Okay. I know, up, but wait, it's, well, it's I was just going like, to say, Brian said they're in the abyss. Says who? <laughs> yeah. Says who? How are they in the abyss? <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like you have me in a corner that I, I want to be in. So here, yeah, Matthew go ahead. 22. I, I that know was what you're fun. talking. That I know what you're fun. talking about. No, I don't. Love, I don't. I, okay. Look, Ma- I've been, okay. In Matthew 22, Sadducees come up to Jesus and they're basically like in a I gotcha moment. You're yeah. talking about resurrection of the dead. Well, okay. What if a man doesn't have any kids? What if he has six brothers and he marries a woman and he dies? And then that widow marries his brother and they go on and all seven dudes die. Mm-hmm. It's like so when the resurrection happens, who gets the wife? Who's he married to? Everyone. Jesus dead. replies, "Okay, yeah, you are an error because you do not know the scriptures. You don't you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. But about the resurrection of the dead." Have you not read what God said to you? I am God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Uh, he is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Now, that second part is is what I believe Brian will refute what I'm saying, because, because the actual passage is talking about resurrection and not given in marriage. But the fact that he brought up angels and marriage and scripture all in the same breath does jesus not believe that enoch was scripture if the if 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 angels being given in marriage is nowhere this is other than god chastising them in the book of enoch and jesus calls it scripture because if it's good enough for jesus the christo (laughs) is good enough for me I, uh, and, you know, and I, and I've seen I, a couple of YouTube videos on dudes like trying to debunk this and they have not convinced me. I, I love this question so much. Good. I don't think it's where we want to be right now though. <laughs> okay, okay. So we'll, we'll put a pin in that. Everyone's going to hate says, me. Everyone's going to hate me. <laughs> so to be continued, um, like and, you know, I, and Jude has a couple dude, of things too. I have but... been dying to tackle this for like so many weeks that we've been doing this podcast, but it's just not the right time right now because okay. we haven't dealt with the inspiration issue yet. I Do think we have. I, I mean, I don't think I don't, we can. I don't, I don't I know that Jesus said it was inspired. I mean, <laughs> well, okay. Was Matthew, inspired? Matthew, Matthew said he, Jesus called it scripture. Wait, where does Ma- where does where does Jesus call? Are you saying that part is where Jesus called it scripture? He says, yeah. "Do you not know the scripture?" The reason why you're saying this bullshit is because you know those scriptures, cat. Well, that, that was that was Jesus refuting the Sadducees. All right, right. and all then right. Paul backs him up later and talks about, "Hey, don't you know that we're we're gonna be judging angels and we, okay. we're gonna get new bodies and we're not all gonna right. be given in marriage? It I, doesn't fucking matter who you're married to. It doesn't matter that you're a slave. It doesn't matter that, right?" All right, I'll I'll save the point I was going to make for later, and I'll address this. Okay. Um, because just mostly because I'm self indulgent, and uh, I I love this passage. What he said. Okay, you don't know the scripture. You don't know the scripture of the power of God, um, because angels neither marry nor are given in marriage. People usually quote that to say that 
to support the Sethite interpretation. Because um, he's saying that angels neither marry nor are given in marriage, yet Genesis 6 says that the sons of God took human women as wives. So that would be a contradiction if, if we take it that way between what Jesus said in Matthew and what we, what the three of us take Genesis 6 to mean, right? Yes and no. They okay. they took wives. They weren't they, they weren't they given weren't wives. Given. They weren't they weren't right. they weren't they weren't sanctioned in any of this stuff, which is what the whole problem is in the first place. Right. They so so it's interesting to me that we have this this battle in heaven and and uh these uh these angels, these fallen ones, like Shemizel, is that the is that the guy that was like in charge of those dudes? Shemihazel. Shemihazel. It sounds name, like but, but, but so name here's, means the 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 face of the name. That sounds like so, some Laverne and Shirley shit to me. So pin a, a in, lot in <laughs> that we're gonna get into that. So a lot of this is gonna be of, like a four podcast. Uh, there's a there's a lot of people that say that you know that uh, that Satan was the first one to get Eve pregnant, and that's why Cain was born first, and he's the son of son of Satan. Uh. Well, hang how, on. let me can I redirect real quick back to your, your, your core point. Eight. So to, yep. to your to Dre's core core point. So this is where language words matter, right? And sure. and translations matter. So I'm we've talked before. I'm a fan of the NET, the New English Translation, and one of the biggest reasons is it seems to be more true to divine counsel concepts. Okay. So with that in mind, Genesis 6, 4 in the NET reads this way. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also after this, when the sons of God would sleep with the daughters of humankind who gave birth to their children. These were the mighty heroes of old, the famous men. The it's not marriage, is, it's rape. That's, so that was when, when, when you asked the leading question going into this whole train of thought, you were like, do angels marry anywhere else in the Bible? And my, my response was they don't, they're not given in marriage. They took wives, which the, to me, reading takes a wife sounds right. The resurrection people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. Right. They will be like the angels. Right. Right. Um, and, Yeah. Okay. And angels so, being married is not addressed anywhere in the New Testament, in the right. Old Testament. Well, okay. So the the argument against the divine council worldview is typically from this, this passage. Um, since Jesus says angels neither marry nor are given in marriage, like he's ruling out marriage entirely mm -hmm. here. Um, therefore, Genesis six cannot be about angels marrying women. I I know. I, so I'm, so I'm, my point is my, uh, my well, let me let me get to this. Okay. My point is, notice that Satan didn't get put in prison, even though he sinned, right? But the angels that did this, they were eliminated immediately. Right. It was a bigger transgression than anything that 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 the devil has done. Because Satan's like, whoa, I didn't do that. I mean, I, I, I didn't do that. So, well, I'm, so, I'm still in the fight. So here's actually that's I think that's actually a lot more literal than you might realize. No, I I, I think it is but also. But, I think it's 100 literal. So the, but, what Jesus is saying in my in my read, it, just real simple, is he's saying the angels don't marry, and it's because the angels aren't supposed to be reproducing, right. 
Humans were meant to reproduce. We were meant to be God's image bearer and create more of God's image. And that's specifically why when the angels took human wives, they were basically stealing the gift of creation from humans given to God, to humans, not to angels. They basically, like, I create. It, was, it was a workaround the system, right? Because angels can't reproduce, but with a human, they can. Because we have God's image in us, which allows us to create souls, to create more but, of but us. The, but the critics of the divine worldview would say that even that's not possible based on what Jesus said here. I, I don't agree with that argument. Like I, I like I don't I, I don't see I, I don't see I don't, how I, don't that, I don't either. I don't see how that holds up. But I think I think the 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 point here is that the Sadducees they were making an illegal argument. Mm-hmm. The, sad, the point the point of the passage is that the Sadducees rejected the resurrection. Correct. They thought they thought they could lawyer the resurrection away because they thought they only believed in the Torah. They right. thought the I Torah mm-hmm. they right. thought the Torah was eternal. And so because the Torah set up certain laws of marriage, um it wasn't actually the Torah, but it was it was a, it was a custom recorded in the Torah that predated the Torah, Leverite marriage. Um, but the, their point was because of this legal impossibility that invalidates of, the possibility of, of resurrection because right. it would break the law. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's, it yeah. sounds, it's absurd. It's like when, when you, when you get resurrected, there's no more marriage. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? It, it's, it's, it's absurd the way you put it. And that was Jesus. The point that's kind yeah. of why he laid into them. Yeah. You, you don't know that you don't know that the, the you know neither the scriptures or the power of God. He's kind of saying, "You Wait. faithless dumbasses, <laughs> you can't lawyer God. You right. can't lawyer God's like, plan away." He's like, "Wait but, a minute, you can't have a resurrection because then who's going to pay his debt?" And God's like, <laughs> "You know what? I, you know what I like is a uh, is it verse thirty three, and the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Basically, yeah. like, oh. they they, oh, yeah, they were like drop running around in circles instead of doing all the." <laughs> let him cook let him cook i i think there's there's a there's actually a a, like a way bigger issue here about uh the role of the law like they were trying to lawyer away the resurrection Mm -hmm. right Right. like bringing this legal question and if you take what jesus said like in the context ask kanye west about that I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means, but they, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lawyer keep going. away. It was it was it was an anti-Semitic <laughs> joke. Yeah. All right. So I just got read, kicked out of the Facebook group right, right now. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna plow I'm gonna plow through this. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get I'm just gonna get to it. Sorry. Um so if you take that in the context of the rest of Jesus' teachings, like the Sermon on the Mount being like chief among them, um he talks about how um um you know you you've heard that it was said to people long ago uh it, you know don't it, if you swear on this it's binding if you swear on that it's not um that you know you keep your oaths but i tell you that anyone who said who let you yes be yes you know be no anything beyond this comes from the evil one like the point is like if you have to swear an oath to validate your word well that implies that your word isn't good otherwise um that you're otherwise a liar um, that, that's a big jdub thing right Dre? and that where y'all get your your oath yes. thing from yeah, yeah we don't take oaths yeah. 
Um, which I don't think the I, point... I said we like I'm one. I said y'all. I, I said <laughs> I said you. I said you there. Sorry. Um, which I don't think the point is necessarily that taking oaths condemns you to hell. The point is that the fact that you have to take oaths, the fact that you have to be told things like don't murder, mm -hmm. don't commit adultery, um, don't do all these things. This says that you are by nature sinful. Like that's kind of the entire point of the Sermon on the Mount is that the law is not there as a set of instructions for how to be righteous and therefore merit God's acceptance. The point of the law is to show you that you don't merit God's acceptance, that by nature you fall short. Mm -hmm. You need a new nature. That's the whole point. That's the entire point. Of, that's such a big point. Like it can't be overstated. That's the entire point of the of Genesis through John the Baptist is to convey to to humanity through the Jewish people that you are you are fallen. You have a you need a new nature. That's mm -hmm. the point of his that's the point of what he said to Nicodemus in John John chapter three. You have to be born again. Um, you need a new nature. You need God's nature to come into you. So the point of all the point of a lot of Jesus' teachings was to convey this that the very fact that you and marriage as as a legal system as, as a legal institution this is basically a like monogamy should be our default if we were righteous people but it but we're not righteous people we're not good by default we need we need this social construct this co this social contract where our the, a community of our friends and family come together to witness us swearing these oaths to be faithful to this other person because we know that if we don't have these oaths if we don't have this social pressure if we don't have these legal consequences for infidelity there's a good chance most of us will stray. Some of us might be really, really good and not, but the the basic premise of marriage is it's as a legal system to to enforce monogamy, right? You guys follow so far? Yeah, I mean, you, I mean what, it, you, it's it, it, you could have simplified it to say the Ten Commandments. Like most people look at the Ten Commandments and be like, of course, don't murder, don't kill, don't rape, follow your parents. But the point was. That, at one point, mankind had to be told those simple parameters like, hey, well, these simple 15 things, oh shit, 10 things, don't do these 10 things, <laughs> right? Like, I like, got that reference. Yeah, that, yeah. That, 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 that's, that's, I mean, that's the simple well, view of what you're saying. By the, the very fact that it took from Genesis 4 to John the Baptist to convict, to drive this home, this point home. I didn't think I could be I I didn't think I could be overstating it. So the the point of the point of that was that marriage itself as a legal institution is it's another construct of the law. When the when the Sadducees came and tried to lawyer away the resurrection and Jesus said angels neither marry nor are given in marriage, what he meant was that angels do by nature things that humans need a law to compel them to do. Mm. That's, that's I like that take. That's yeah. That's solid, right? Yeah. And so the fact that angels left their proper station to take human wives—that's why this was such an outrage. It wasn't mm -hmm. right. It, like, like they had to go against their own nature, right? To, to and that, like when we read about how God is so condemning of 
the devil, of Satan, of, of the fallen angels. Because they're the ones that of all that should have known the better, the best. Yeah. Like they didn't have to do that. They weren't like it's not like they were driven by their appetites. That was his wife, man. We were should have fucking known fucking better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's, he's fat. He's Samoan. What's he gonna do? Eat some more. <laughs> pulp, pulp fiction reference, guys. Like this is. But no, that, aren't that's, you guys that's, glad that's, I did that pulp? That's a, that's a great that pulp fiction. That's a great point. Yeah, it was fun. It was yeah. it was fun. It, it, well, it recued a bunch of uh, well, talking points. Pulp. Well, Pulp Fiction is our is our natural language, mm-hmm. and now people understand why we use those references. It's it's it's, it's we're 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 um it's we're, our Book of Enoch. Well, we're doing some, some we're doing some <laughs> some mimesis, literary mimesis. Yeah, historical <laughs> mimesis. Yeah, hey, I like, so what? Uh, I appreciate you paying attention there, man. So should we? Uh... All I got from all that was that's where the word meme comes from. <laughs> all right. Oh, see what I. <laughs> Check out the big brand on Matt. <laughs> Dre, what oh, were we gonna say, man? Are we are we are we gonna talk about uh about the book of the parables next I week? think we're done for today, you guys. No, we're not. I gotta finish. I gotta finish on that. Well, we gotta wrap this up because we can't we yeah. can't even get into parables tonight. No, no we're I, not. I don't want to do that. Saying. I want I want to wrap up the point I was making about Matthew what was oh, it twenty oh, twenty two. Yeah, go ahead. Twenty two, right. Okay, so people take that to mean that humans it's usually read in within this confirmation bias of dying and going to heaven as disembodied spirits since we don't have bodies we don't you know we don't have you know sexual function we don't reproduce we're like the angels that's not what he's talking about at all because uh, because the angels I think we all agree yeah. you you guys might agree but the oh, okay, the, the listeners this is like this is kind of like standard Christian thinking is that Jesus is saying that uh, you know they they kind of they they have this idea about going to heaven as disembodied spirits and so we lose all biological function. That's not what he's saying. We're going to be we're going to be physically resurrected. We don't go to heaven as disembodied spirits. Heaven comes here. We live forever on this earth restored and renewed we don't need laws to keep us faithful to our partner we'll do that by nature there's no re there's nothing in that passage that tells us that we won't have a partner and have families that once you take it with that read you're i i see your point yeah yeah that's that's solid here, here's a throwaway thought that I've I've I don't know that I've ever verbally really put together. Angels are all male. Um, that's why they that's that's more specifically how and why they don't reproduce because it only says the angels took wives. It doesn't say any angels took husbands. There's a or uh, just just the male angels were the assholes. They were the, they're the only rapey angels were male angels and all the female <laughs> angels are like, what are you doing? I think well, that uh, in I think Enoch but, actually mentions female uh, wisdom and female. It says her a, a few times. In they there. might have been cherubim. Well, but not angels. angels. Actually, in the book of Enoch, they don't rape them. They they're given right because the, the seduce them. No, the, no, the no, dads they, give them up for 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 the secrets. It was like a it was like a swap. Well, I well that was that was my theory when we talked a few weeks back. Yeah, and I I kind of. 
sort of maybe i feel like i made that up but... I, 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 I kind of loosely implied that in, in a blog article but if you actually read the book of enoch and i wasn't trying to be precise i was trying to just kind of give broad strokes but in in the actual book of enoch it doesn't say they they took they took them by force they enticed them they seduced them by trading secrets by tr by giving this them the this forbidden knowledge that corrupted the earth the knowledge of magic and metallurgy this was given by the watchers to their wives mm -hmm. it only says that took with women though that's my point is right there was and no there was no now because because the women was was part of the trade like that was a possession i can give you this woman if you give me secrets Right. Well, there's dad or in the actual book of Enoch, it doesn't necessarily say they like they they negotiated with the fathers or men. They did it with the women, but through the women that went to the yeah, rest right. of humanity. I, I I think if you're a human, what do you say? No, but I, but I'm not you, really out, you, I'm not really out to get them a, off on this. On... There's a there's a power struggle there. Like, hey, I'm an angel and I'm taking you. Well, she could be like. Yeah. No. And I'm not. I'm oh, not trying okay. to defend their chivalry. It's and maybe, fine. <laughs> maybe, maybe they killed the ones that said no. Or, or maybe they were just they were just dope looking angels, and they were right, all they were they were all six foot four, and they right, had, they, they had rap sheets. Right. They 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 looked at they looked at their husband like, man, I'm going with this cat. He's got superpowers and shit. He knows about right magic. There's <laughs> a there's a passage in uh, gosh, which part of it? it I think it's in I think it's in the the book of his his dream sequences in Enoch. He talks about these stars that descended from heaven mm -hmm. that fell to earth. Yeah, he sees they, them flying around and stuff. Yeah. Well, no, he's well. That's that's one part. Another part is that he it's, it's he describes stars that fall to the earth and they have sexual organs like horses. Oh, so. Oh, this is in uh, what? That's it. Yeah, that's in his dream Black sequence. Black Bull. <laughs> it's the size Black of Uma Bull. Thurman's foot. Uh, and he, it's, right. it's like my table. No, in, <laughs> in, there was foot. In, in the in the book of his dream sequences, he, he it kind of tells the whole like biblical narrative, like the story of Israel, and it's like it's like a ancient version of Animal Farm, like all of the Israelites are sheep. Oh, I'm talking about yeah. yeah, yeah, and all the pagan nations are wolves and other animals. Yep. but there's a, like the but the angels are all bulls or uh, ox that, or something. That's a part of it, but yeah. in the part where he where he kind of gives the parable version of Genesis six, he describes stars who descend from heaven and they have the sexual organs of horses. And that was and in the movie, the movie Noah. They were like stars. No, remember because they were like yeah, they were yeah. like meteors they, they, they that came in. Were they meteors. like were they like stars with giant dongs? I don't. I I wasn't paying attention, Brian. Like they were rock dongs, that's, though. That's what you get from Enoch. like the rock biter. I, I, I get it's it, like, but my but my point is is that's like that's the same imagery. Minus yeah. the, he also talked about like portals to heaven too, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's when we started and, and, talking Enoch about or, pyramids or and Enoch. Nikola Tesla and. Uh, yeah, that's. I feel like there's so much we left out here. Maybe, maybe, okay. maybe, maybe. So maybe, uh, maybe Nikolai Tesla was one of the last Nephilim. No, he's from the future. He's, a, he's <laughs> from the future. We're not. We're not convincing Brian otherwise. That the cat who's just he was he was idiocracy. And he accidentally got here, and he was just smarter than everybody he did, else. He didn't know how to get back.
Yeah, he never had. The but he's dumb he's, in the future. He's like reverse idiocracy. He right? had it on his phone, but he didn't bring a charger. I, I that's like why he's trying to make electricity so he could charge his phone back up so he could get back out. <laughs> so, uh, about the question of whether Enoch is scripture, though, you it's, guys have heard my take on from on that from John three, right? John three, I've talked about it before. You were I talking mean, about John three earlier today, but I don't remember what has to do with Enoch. Did I in in the podcast or in the like, just in the green room? In the green room. Um, okay, so how long should this be? Another episode? Yeah, I don't think I don't yeah. think we've I don't think we've really like we haven't. We, we we spent so much time with the pre work. Let's just. Oh, you I think always just, you always bring up Nicodemus. That's like your thing. Let's just wrap John this. Is... Let's just wrap this, and then we can just dive back into it, and we can just do a part two next okay, week. So. So if you uh if you're here still at 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 this point with us, uh first of all, congratulations. And and second, uh thank you. You must you must just really like the way we banter about things. But uh, I next week we'll have we'll have we'll be concise way more than 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 we'll normal. Have, we'll have an outline, we'll have objectives. We will. So we'll, we'll have a PowerPoint slide and everything. So Brian's got a mouse in his pocket. And uh what? So, uh, we anybody got anything, fellas? Talk about. I said Brian's got a mouse in his pocket. He said he said we're gonna have outlines. Yeah, I'm like, so who's is we? Because I'm not gonna so, have an outline. You are so, gonna uh, have an outline. But thank you to the to the scores of people who are who are our fans now with a 100. We've we've eclipsed oh, 100 yeah. subscribers on the YouTube Century and, Club. Uh, we're pretty we're pretty pumped about that. And, Us and um, Joe Rogan, we're right up there. That's, that's right. You, look out, Joe. And uh, so with that, I will say, stay curious, stay enlightened, and we will catch you next week. God bless.